This is Keyshawn Rains, the host of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains, where amazing things happen. A series of past the collection plate style conversations with a Creole, queer, femme, yogi, mom, coach, author, and of course, podcast host with a nomadic soul, a quirky sense of humor, and an activator of empowerment. These conversations are just a chance for me to speak on ways to be mindful in a mindless world. Stories are shared, folks are empowered, inspired, and impacted to be more phenomenal versions of themselves through simple conversations about complex like love, life, and the pursuit of being real. Thanks for listening. going to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the audience by sharing your name, where you're from, and what you stand for. Yes, uh, so my name is Nasir Jawakum, and I live here in Atlanta, Georgia now, but I'm originally from uh, Philadelphia, PA, um, but was raised in Delaware, uh, Middletown, Delaware, because um, that's where I went to a little bit of middle school, all of high school, and then a little bit of college. And then after that, then I moved here uh, to Atlanta. But what I stand for is really just diversity, really uh, diversity and empowering uh, yourself because it's 2021. And I believe in if you're not given opportunity, then you make your own. So uh, that's really what I stand for. I love that. I love that. It's so interesting that you say diversity. I, I just got back yesterday from a conference with this company called mind body it's like the you know go-to platform that a lot of wellness and fitness and salon business owners use to kind of run their platform they do you know crm and all that kind of stuff the number one theme i would say of this year's conference is diversity equity and inclusion or inclusivity and it's so interesting how it's on the table, it's managing to make its way through conversation, but I don't know that a lot of people really understand exactly what diversity means. So could you tell us what your definition of diversity means and what it looks like for you? Yeah, uh, diversity for me is really just getting the opinions of multiple different kinds of people. So that can be gender, that can be uh, sexual orientation, that can be the most important race. Um, So, Diversity for me is just not uh, taking just one type of person's opinion for something uh, or fact for something and getting multiple different people's uh, opinion. And that's something that I I truly stand for. And even on Clubhouse, like all of my um, stages, I have multiple types of uh, types of people uh, from women to men to white women, black women, Latino women. So it's just really just uh, incorporating multiple opinions and not just looking the same way. Yeah, I like that. I think diversity is, it's one of those words that has very diverse, you know, definitions. I think sometimes people say diversity and they mean like, we want to include black folks or they say diversity and they mean we want to include queer folks. And it's like, they say diversity, we want to include women. It's like, okay, so maybe we could just include all of the above would be really great. Then we we would truly be diverse, you know, at that point, (laughs) you know, we're not like singling anybody out, but it's really like open to everyone. So yeah, yeah, one of the, um, one of the speakers that was at this conference that I went to is this woman who's an actor. She's an actress, uh, Jamila Jamil, who is super amazing. I absolutely love her. She's a Pakistani American immigrant and she's a queer woman and she's just like a badass and takes diversity to like an entirely different level when she talks about just the inclusivity that relates to, like you said, people's race and gender and sexual orientation, but also like ableism and ageism and like all the other isms that we often ignore. 
So the conversation of diversity, I think, is it's one of those topics that can be uncomfortable for some people, typically those who are not practicing it. Uh, yeah. It seems to be uncomfortable <laughs> for them. The rest of us are like, we've been talking about this. <laughs> so it's it's time. It's time. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit more about what brought you to Atlanta? Like, how did you arrive there and what's been your experience in, in the ATL? Yeah, so um, that's a very interesting question that surprisingly with the amount of uh, podcasts I've done so far, nobody's asked me that question. <laughs> and um, because it roots in a lot of stuff. So um, me moving to Atlanta actually happened uh, right after my dad gave me the ultimatum of either, you know, go to counseling for me being gay or for me to get out. And because to this day, he still thinks that I chose to rather than him actually kicking me out. Um, But, you know, to each his own delusional comes in many different forms. (laughs) Delusional um, is very diverse. (laughs) (laughs) So um, after that, um, I, you know, packed up all my stuff and, you know, I went to a old friend's house, old best friend's house. So I was no longer friends with her anymore, Mm -hmm. but her mom really loved me. So then they didn't have the best relationship already. And she was like at her like friend's house all the time, basically moved in there. So I moved into their house and moved into her room. And yeah, it was a whole situation, child. I was there for about like, I think like eight, nine months. Mm -hmm. um, And I saw her one time and her and I actually stopped talking for a while because we got into some beef where like we stopped talking to one friend and she was talking crap about her. And Mm -hmm. then when I went to that friend and, you know, we made up and stuff like that, she tried to act like she never did anything. So that's kind of like how we had our falling out. And then that, the first time of me seeing her was when I was already moved into her room and I walked into the house uh, when I came home from work and she was sitting on the couch. So then we talked and we talked about like things and like she basically said she forgive, but she's the fakest person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Um, and then that was the last time I actually saw her because she never even came back to the, the house like whatsoever oh. after that. Which, yeah, child, it was that family was weird, but mm. <laughs> I'm very grateful that they were able to give me, you know, a home while I had to, you know, was able to find them with the child. They had chickens in the backyard. They had pigs. They had like two pigs. They had three cats, a dog. Yeah, it was a lot for me. Um, so. After after that, so the main reason why they let me stay at the house mm-hmm. was because I really wanted to finish school because I was in college at the time. Okay. And when I realized that I was going to have to end up paying for that myself, I said, oh, no, deuces. Um, and I actually applied to a school in New York, but I didn't get in because um, I didn't go to my spring semester classes because I couldn't afford okay. to go to spring semester because my dad paid for the first semester. Okay. And I did really well my first semester, but then they were like, so where's the second semester? And I'm like, so I'm actually not in college right mm. now. And I was hoping on like, you know, my dancing abilities and stuff like that. I was going to at least be able to get some type of scholarship. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even make it past the first round, child, because they said... You ain't never got the second semester grades. Like, where's the rest of that? So it was like shortly after that, I got a letter basically saying I was not eligible. So fast forward to basically the last few months of me living there, they were like, well, what what are you planning on doing? Because Mm -hmm. like, we were thinking that you're, you know, going to school, but it seems like you're working full time. And then I explained and then I ended up just, you know, choking it up and saying, you know, let me actually reach out to, no, I think she, 
No, I reached out to her actually because my mom ain't never reached out to me for nothing. Mm. Um, so I reached out to my mom, mm-hmm. and at that time, her and I weren't talking, so I was okay. not talking to neither one of my parents. Parent. Okay. And um, so I talked to her, told her about the situation. She's like, "Yeah, I assumed that happened because she saw something on Facebook, mm-hmm. and yada yada." Basically, saw that like I was out like on Facebook, and she knew that with my dad and the type of person he is, okay. she knew what probably happen right so then her and i we got on decent terms again mm-hmm. and for anybody that's uh listening i'm using quotes for a lot of things mm-hmm. because you know um these people are interesting um so i moved to atlanta to kind of try to build that relationship with my mom up again because you know i'm the type of person that you know even though everything in the past was in the past i now was trying to you know get off on a better start so right so i moved in with her and i was only really there for about like three months um Mm -hmm. before her and i got into an argument of course and um i cursed her out she cursed me out and then i just ended up uh, basically leaving from there and i was uh, evidently homeless i moved in with a friend Mm -hmm. uh at the time her name starts with the m i'm not going to say exactly who who she is but her name starts with the m and i moved in with her Mm -hmm. and then i was sleeping on her floor for a while and i actually had a boyfriend that lived in tennessee and then I ended up breaking up with him at literally all around the same time mm-hmm. as me getting kicked out from my mom, me breaking up with him because I didn't feel like I had any support from him. Like right. there was no empathy there whatsoever. Um, so I broke up with him because child know my worth. And then so I basically just, I was sleeping on her floor for a while and then she actually got evicted from her apartment because she couldn't afford to even live there. And I wasn't paying her anything because I can barely afford to even find a place. Right. So at the time I actually had a manager um, and he like was like my saving grace at that moment. His name is Peter. And um, he was my general manager at a hotel. And okay. we were opening the hotel. It was my very first hotel here in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I worked at one right before I left um, uh, Delaware. And I realized I really liked hotels. Mm-hmm. So I got hired there. And he really liked me right off the bat. Like in the interview, he was like, you remind me so much of myself. Like when I was like your age, like, mm-hmm. you know, ambitious, you know, out, you know, getting things done, like all of that kind of stuff. So when I told him what was happening he talked to another gm at our sister property and they were able to give me a room for her and i a room for free for two weeks um but i only needed it for a week because Mm -hmm. i ended up finding student housing that's a whole situation and a whole nother story Mm -hmm. Uh, i ended up moving in student housing in the same exact complex that she got evicted from oh wow what are the odds (laughs) in the same exact complex because you know everything was bundled like utilities you know, renting things. And that was in everything was furnished. Like I didn't, I barely had any money to furnish myself. So that was the smartest option for me to go to at that moment. So yeah. And then from there, that's where I got most of my stability living there because my rent was only about $700 a month and it included everything. So Mm -hmm. I was able to really get on my feet working at the hotel because I was getting paid decently. I was working overtime a lot of the time because I was a very reliable employee. And then Mm -hmm. I ended up making my way up and I actually ended up being one of the youngest AGMs to work for Marriott at only 21. And I made it there within three years and I've been able to travel uh, the U.S. to help different hotels across the U.S. uh, with doing task force as well. So, um... I definitely, definitely had a lot of struggles being here um, in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. it taught me a lot about myself. I came here with one objective mm-hmm. and I got a bunch of other ones. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's thank you so much for sharing that so, so openly. And there's there's so many parts of your story that I think are so relatable to a lot of other folks, especially a lot of queer folks, especially a lot of queer black men in particular. Yeah. And, you know, the things that 
that queer black men experience in their families, particularly with their relationships with their parents. And when we think about being displaced and we think about being homeless or we think about being houseless or we think about struggle, it's like so many of us have gone through that at different stages. You know, I came out when I was 29 years old. I had already been married, already had a child and knew knew when I got married to a man that I did not need to get married to him. It was a shotgun wedding. It was a, oh shit, you broke all the rules of the church, all the rules. So we're going to try to shove it under a corner. If y'all just hurry up and get married, maybe nobody will know. And then within the third year of marriage, I was like, I got to get out. I got to get out of here. I got to go. I got to take up, I got to pick up my kid and I just have to go. And yeah. there was so much shame. There was so much displacement. There was so much struggle. There was so much that I had to go through. And even when I look back at it now, I mean, it's damn near, you know, 15 years ago, almost 18 years ago, I know that I couldn't keep pretending and I couldn't keep hiding and I couldn't keep playing the role. I couldn't keep acting. And even if it meant that I had to sacrifice those relationships specifically with my parents at the time, it was a necessary function of me becoming the person that I am today. And so, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like with like when it came to my dad with that ultimatum that he still thinks that he never kicked me out. Um, it was that like I was I was out in my high school actually. I came out in sophomore year of my high school. Okay. Um so everybody there knew I actually had a bunch of drama with like my ex-girlfriend, where my old therapist made me actually tell my ex-girlfriend that I was gay and also made me tell her that Courtney and Kamara knew about it as well. Um, yeah, that created a lot of drama our sophomore year. It actually gave me like PTSD with like mm-hmm. therapists because then she threatened them. Then she started blaming her bad grades like on me being gay and like it took a toll on her. I said, sis, you had bad grades before I came out. So <laughs> like, I ain't got part. nothing to do with that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and it was just a whole ordeal at my school that my parents actually never knew about. I was very mm-hmm. good at hiding up a lot of stuff mm-hmm. um, until um, it came to a time where like I... I, I my school actually got involved one time um, because my teacher then called my house, mm-hmm. like my dad, and basically it was a black teacher, right. basically saying like I, I, you know, I'm friends with more of like the females and things like that, okay. bitching my people for no fucking reason, um, and then that sparked up a conversation. So yeah, child, it's I was just tired of uh, playing games and I was tired of pretending and I was tired of you know being a strong confident person like at school and being a person that people actually looked up to uh at school and then going home and then i was actually very quiet at home because Mm -hmm. and i think that's also a very a a lot with uh gay people as well is that we're always the quiet ones Mm -hmm. it's because it's like mm, if we talk then every opportunity we have to talk is an opportunity for somebody to out us i guess so we kind of just like stay you know to ourselves and we become our own best friend and that's also another reason why i think a lot of you know straight people are intimidated by lgbt is because we become our own best friends so therefore we understand and know ourselves better than anyone else can and when you understand yourself and you're confident in yourself you are a absolute force to be reckoned with and i think that's a lot of people that you know a lot of people do see that, um, and uh, I think that plays a big part in why people are afraid of the LGBT community as well. Yeah, but oh, I whole, wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. I mean, like, part of our culture is just fucking just owning the stage, owning the space, taking up all the space, being the most fabulous, being the most seen, yeah. being the being just the loudest presence, you know, and I think, like you said, it is very intimidating, and I think, you know, for me, I, you know, 
am older. I did graduate from high school in the 90s, and I went from California to North Carolina to go to an HBCU because we don't have none of them in California. So I had to go to the South, and I went to the South, and as soon as I got to campus, I had like a complete transformation. I changed my hair, changed my clothing, I changed my look because I was away from home. I got to create yep. a new identity for myself. I created a new name or a nickname for myself. At the time, I built an entire community. But then when I came home at Christmas, I had to put all that away. All that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I took it all away and go back into like the Keyshawn that my family knows. And then same thing when I went back to campus, it was like coming out and going in, coming out and going in constantly. Yeah. And it was it was easier, so to speak, because I was so far away from my family. So then I started coming home less and less because yeah. I didn't want to have to do that switch every yeah, single time. Exactly. And then time yeah. went by where I didn't come home for a couple of years, you know. So that that constant change, that constant transition can be so, so draining and it can be so stressful. And I love my parents and we have a much better relationship now than we did a long time ago, but it was a journey to get there. And it was really more about me forgiving them versus anything else it was me being able to be like you are just a man and you are just a woman and i have to see you as that and take you off this pedestal and see you as people no not you know doctor i have somebody a good friend named dr jill her book is actually around here somewhere um actually it's literally right here her name is dr jill okay Um, i actually met her on clubhouse as well and her and i went to actually lunch here in atlanta uh with the other uh, group of people from clubhouse and my boyfriend as well and we talked there for like hours we're there for like four hours and one of the things that she said to me actually was when you actually start looking at your parents as just people because she she knows my heart she knows who i am as a person like i care about people like i want to see people do good and i want to see people you know live a happy life you know Mm -hmm. um and she said when you start to look at them as just people rather than your mom or your dad then you'll have more rather than resentment you'll have gratitude and you'll want to send positivity their way and that was the moment that clicked in my brain and i was like you know what you are so right about that you are so right so i'm glad that you brought that up oh yeah it's and it's it's all it was also helpful for me once i you know once i became a parent and once my son reach like teenage years because from the time that he was born until the time that he was almost 10 years old i didn't really have a lot of contact with my parents he had contact he would go see you know his grandparents but we didn't really have a lot of communication and then once i started seeing his impression of me i'm like oh but i'm just a woman i'm just trying to hold it together you know what i mean like i'm just one person there was a moment like you said where it clicked and in conversation with an amazing therapist where it clicked and i was like oh Y'all were only 19 when you became parents. You're still, I mean, you're still, you got stages in your life and you have your own trauma and your own stuff that you haven't even dealt with yet. So, okay, that doesn't mean that your behaviors are acceptable. However, I can maybe lower my expectations a little bit of you being superheroes (laughs) because you're clearly not and kind of see you as just people. And it, oh, it made a huge, huge difference. Huge you know, it's funny. It's funny that you also said that too, <laughs> because like as I was growing up, that's like I. So for a while, I you know I hated my mom. Like I used to talk crap about her on Facebook. Like this was at because. So to give a backstory, like I was abused by my mom for years, mm. um, mentally, physically, emotionally, and it was one day that the school actually you know saw marks on my body, mm. and I ended up going into the system, um, not for like long, basically just for holding into my court date, so that you know my dad, my grandparents, they all literally like flew down here for the court date and everything, 
And um, so then the court ruled for me to move with my dad, and that's how I ended up in Delaware. Because my mom, she moved uh, here to Atlanta. I was actually in Atlanta for a year before then I moved out of Atlanta and went to Delaware. And she's been here kind of ever since. She's moved around with her ex-husband. But um, but the point is, is that, uh, shoot, I forgot what the point I was getting to. Sorry. Oh, here goes the point. Sorry is um i moved uh to delaware with my dad and so that was like middle school it was like uh, seventh grade eighth grade and those two years like i would talk crap about my mom all over on facebook and then like my uh, like she would then call my dad and say get your son like yada yada, Mm -hmm. all this other stuff so Mm -hmm. as i got older i started to like forgive her and things like that like i just moved past it because you know i had that same thought process you know you didn't have the best example as a you know for your mom because her and her mom used to go at it like really really bad and so i'm you know i made that excuse for her but then as i got even older and then i even moved in with her because that was like years Mm -hmm. we were we talked on and off for so much like at this point when i moved in with her i barely even know her as a person she barely knows me as a person right and that's also a thing that a lot of parents they think that they know their kids and it's like no just because you have me sis does not mean that you know that i see her today and that also played a big part in why her and i brought a lot of heads when we moved in because she still had a lot of that resentment mm-hmm. resentment for mm-hmm. me get, getting her sent to jail and all of that stuff right and then she wants to act like that she didn't have that resentment but sis we know that you we do. know that it's there right and, <laughs> yeah and then so it, it was just like as now, now at that point i'm like 19 mm-hmm. so i'm like no this has nothing to do with what you did had like growing up this has everything to do with you not taking responsibility for you as an individual and you thinking that you know you're a saint and no in actuality you're not you're you like to point fingers at everyone else mm-hmm. but you don't actually like to look in the mirror and say what did i do wrong right. as a parent and it it speaks volumes to both of them yeah both of them because of the arguments up because my mom i not i don't have an issue the issue isn't because i'm gay the issue is just because she's psycho and she doesn't like to take responsibility for herself so that's that's and then my dad it has everything to do with me being gay right right and i went through I grew up in a household. I'm the oldest of five children. My parents have been together since they were 15 years old. They had me at 19. My dad uh, battled drug addiction for the majority of my childhood. And my mom was super duper codependent throughout that process. So dealing with a toxic environment, growing up in a toxic household, I'm like surprised that I've made it out alive. You know what I mean? And so there was so much resentment. There was so much anger just from that and then of course struggling with sexuality struggling with identity who am i who am i supposed to be struggling with an overly christian household and damn near cultish christian you know type environment and then leaving home and experiencing just like a taste of freedom and a taste of like who i actually could be returning with that sense of empowerment and then coming out at the same time my family they their head spun they didn't know what the hell to do they were like, exactly. who are you? You're talking up, you're speaking up, you're talking back and you're out, you cut your hair, you got a baby, but you're getting divorced and what you do, what, what? So at yeah. the time I was like, and so what? <laughs> Deal with it. You know what I mean? Over yeah. time, you know what I'm saying? I've calmed, you know, a bit, but I also had to work through my own stuff, you know? So recognizing like everybody's working through their stuff and knowing that everybody's working at a different pace and then some people aren't doing the work which is a fact everybody's not doing the work and you can start to see 
who's doing the work and who's not. And those who aren't, you're kind of like, I have to love you from a distance because I can't let you in. And you know, that's it. That's it right there. For so long, I've been like trying, like for instance, with my dad, I don't talk to him anymore Mm -hmm. um, as of right now, because Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm at the point in my life to where I'm building my business and I'm building my life and I don't have time to waste my time on toxic people. I don't care who you are, mom, dad, sister, brother, uncle, cousin, like, nobody gets a pass (laughs) I just I don't have time for it and it's like with my dad like the last like time that him and I talked well the last argument him and I got into Mm -hmm. like he basically said that you know the reason why he doesn't invite me to a lot of things is because he is still uncomfortable with you know who I am and like because I'm like extra flamboyant and yada 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 and it's just like you know it that you know it did hurt my feelings for a little while but the thing is is like at the end of the day mm-hmm. when now you circle back when i do build my empire i'm charging you double <laughs> <laughs> i actually is, might have to put you on a waiting list sir yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. and you know he actually we got into a big argument because i was like you know nobody's ever worried about nasir like when is somebody actually going to worry about me y'all over here you know doing real estate investment and you know buying trucks you know getting into the trucking industry Mm -hmm. but when is somebody actually going to you know watch out for nasir Mm -hmm. so then he was like um that he would help me with starting a business so you know get together you Mm -hmm. know a pitch or whatnot Mm -hmm. because i basically like was yelling at him because i'm like i can't ever get anything started for myself because something always happens Mm -hmm. friend got evicted or i lost a job or you know a car got repoed or you know whatever the case is so it's like i feel like i can never get anything started whenever i want to right um then he was like you know what put together like a presentation and then like he'll help invest money into my business so i put together everything you know i put together a mock website a full presentation like i'm extra so therefore everything i do is going to be extra from my clothes to how i speak to what i present (laughs) you know it's like it's not just situational so i made sure it was to the t he was like oh like i'm really really impressed and i was like you're impressed because you don't know me this would be a regular thing (laughs) if you actually knew me but that's besides the fact so i asked him for fifteen thousand. i knew that he was going to say ten thousand because i know him okay Uh, (laughs) so i asked for 15 he's like you know, I can uh, give you 10 to help you like start your business. Guess how much money is I've gotten from that? No, no, no money. About $2,000. About- of- Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's on a long-term and, payment plan. Is that what it is? Exactly. <laughs> like, I barely even like really heard from him from it. And then, wow. you know, it's just, it took a big hit from my business because I did get laid off from a job. Mm. And then when I'm like trying to like, basically like, okay, so now I need more help. Right. Nowhere to be found. Mm. But he texted me on my birthday, happy birthday. But he does that to make it seem like that he's still, you know, I'm their parent, but right. who the hell is you fooling? Not it's, me. You're like, I'm paying attention. I'm on the other side. You know, yeah. it's, it's true because... I, I just said thanks and moved on about my day. Uh, right. And then they sent me like a measly $200. And then my stepmom was like, did you get the 200 I was like, oh no, there's something wrong with my Zell. But child, don't worry about it. I'm making a lot more money than that now. I don't need you. You're like, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you for the donation, but I'm good. Yeah. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about this business. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing and how you're how you're supporting people how you're showing up because i want to know more for sure yeah so with royalty ads we're a marketing and branding agency um we actually added the branding part because of clubhouse Mm -hmm. because so much of my audience was like asking me about personal branding and it's been a thing that has been in my life 
because I've been signed to a talent agency. So I've been a model, actor, and things like that. I've worked with like Queen Latifah, Kiki Palmer, uh, Stevie Boy at one point. So it's like personal branding has kind of been in my life, you mm -hmm. know, from the very beginning. Like even one of my old best friends, his dad used to be Tiger's manager. Okay. And we all lived in like the same neighborhood and everything. So it's like, it's always been a thing that I has been in my life. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let me just add that in there, you know, to my business because, you know, listening to your audience. So right. we're a marketing and branding agency. I actually started because I got laid off from the hotel industry. Okay. And I was already doing marketing for hotels with being an AGM. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what, let me just move this over into a business because I took all those skills that I, you know, learned from being in hotels because I'm a person that I pay attention to the structure of a business. Yep. And I've worked in almost every single industry. I've worked for Amazon at one point. I've worked at a gas station. I've worked at a retail. I have not worked at a bank, actually. Um, I've worked in hotels. I've worked so I've worked in almost every industry. But the oh, I've also worked at Starbucks as well. And I'm a person that I pay to how they make experience for their customers yeah. and the structure of their business. And I've taken all of those skills and all of those things that I've learned because once again, both parents are entrepreneurs. But for some reason, I, they taught me nothing about business. Um, <laughs> So I took all those skills and I put them basically into my business. And because okay. I learned accounting from uh, working for Marriott, mm -hmm. I've learned how to manage people. I've managed 150 employees at one time. I've learned how to do budgets. I've learned how. So basically took all that, made it into a business and then went back and said, hey, like, you know, I'm doing like marketing. And I started marketing for a few franchises because people don't realize you have the brand Marriott, IHG, Hilton, mm -hmm. but there's franchises that are underneath that basically fend for themselves. Right. So you have to do your own marketing. You do your own structure. And um, yeah, <laughs> so it's your responsibility to do all of that. Marriott has nothing to, to do, do with, with it. it. So right. I started working with some franchises, but then I ran into the issue of, no one can get employees. Mm -hmm. So then they basically had to cut ties with me. And that was also around the time where I lost my job because I went into leasing for a little bit mm -hmm. to basically try to, you know, get some money while I can, you know, start this business up. Right. Got laid off there because I couldn't take that child. I ended up cursing out my manager because she was not, I stepped down to an hourly position. So therefore I still had a manager mindset. Of course. So the way that she was running the office, I'm like, this is not how you do it. Right. So like her and I would butt heads all the time and I would try to help her because mm -hmm. like, I'm like, I understand where you're coming from. I used to be a manager. I get it. I get like, it. Right. So her and I connected on a lot of levels, but we also disconnected on a lot of levels. And one day she just, she had an attitude for whatever reason and she really pissed me off because I literally got all of the move-ins for that place, all of them. I had another leasing person and there was an assistant there. Wow. They didn't get any move-ins. She was there for like two months and still got no move-ins. I think I got like 12 in one month. You're like, I'm responsible for everybody who this lives here right now. This is actually my here. complex. It's I run this. <laughs> Seriously, like literally. And then she would come to me and be like, I noticed that you haven't been doing as much work. That's because there's two other heifers in here. Now, them bitches can do it. And it was one day that she called me a girl and she got an attitude. I cursed her off. I said, bitch, you can do it your motherfucking self. Right. And I just, I left and sorry for the curse. Oh, no, but it's fine. You're like, this is my last day. Here's my notice. Like, you know what? I'm out. And... But then they ended up calling me back and saying, you know, like, you're down and yada, yada, yada. And, mm -hmm. you know, I gave the because the regional and HR was on the phone. I let them have it, too. Wow. Um, basically letting them know what was going on in the office, because I actually sent a long list, um, a long letter to the regional as well, because they would 
send people to the property that worked for the management company, then people will go back and say like they were doing this, this and that. Like somebody was complaining because I was looking up stuff for a vacation because sis, I did all of my move-ins. I'm and done I'm for the day. Yeah. So I was looking up stuff. I didn't know that was a fucking crime, <laughs> but you know, none of my business. So I sent her basically a long thing, basically reading her to fill. Okay. Um, it was all accurate. And I came with the receipts as well. Cause I that's the it. type of person that I am. <laughs> Um, You're like, as per anyway, page seven of this enclosed dissertation email where you are being yeah, read for film, like, refer to paragraph three where I write. Like, I, I screenshotted it. I like, literally <laughs> took it. I printed it out, too, because I keep records for HR, too. I printed it out, took a picture of it, sent it to my boyfriend. He was like, I've never seen anybody read someone so professionally in the nicest way, but bitchiest way possible. <laughs> like, I that, love it. <laughs> So anyway, so I got laid off from there and all of that was happening at the same time. So I got laid off, lost all my clients. It was like, so what do I do? do? Right. So then that's when I started to go into like personal branding and then I created a guide from it. And then I got some, you know, an email list built up about an email list of 500 people from that uh, guide. Mm -hmm. And then people were like, reels, 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 like your reels are amazing. And that was something that was just came natural to me. So mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't think was an issue. I've been editing since Microsoft Movie Maker and then stepped it up to I, uh, um, iMovie when mm-hmm. the uh, iPhones came out. Mm-hmm. And then I stepped it up to what I have now, which is Final Cut Pro. So, you know, I mm-hmm. thought that was something that was natural to me. So then I created, you know, Reels. And okay. then that was has been a hit with people. And it's been such a great way for me to start building community because I'm really focusing on building my personal brand. Mm-hmm. And with Clubhouse, you know, giving them me the opportunities that I have, I just got hired as a speaker. And I'm speaking with actually somebody big on Clubhouse as well, Glenn. He's the other guest speaker okay. for the Entrepreneur Summit that we're hosting with AARP, actually. Um, and it's a great start for me, you know, starting with my speaking, because mm-hmm. one, it sets the bar for my rate, because it's very high um (laughs) and it also um positions me very well because of the other person that i'm speaking with as well so um, i it's just i've taken this business and there's been a lot of ups and downs but as an entrepreneur you have to understand how to pivot and that's one thing that you know i realized when it comes to entrepreneurship there is no such thing as failure all it is is lesson and how you learn from that lesson and then you know change directions and move forward i love that <clears throat> I love that. There's no such thing. I just thought it was all over the place. No, was so- that was so. No, it's it's <laughs> no, it's so good. And this is why, like, I love having conversations with people where they're able to share parts of their story because I would say there's so many people that are thinking about entrepreneurship or thinking about starting their own business or at a job where they're not being yeah. served, where they're not being taken care of, and they're like. I don't even know where to begin. And there are challenges like finding seed money, finding startup money, coming up with a business model, not sure where to where to start. When you were talking about the jobs you have, like I tell people all the time, like if I ever gave somebody my actual resume from starting to work at age 15 up until age 33. It would be as long as the Appalachian Mountain. I'm saying it would be it would have tabs and all kinds of sections and shit on it because I started working in 15. And I think, like you said, when you have had the opportunity to be able to work in so many different fields, if you're paying attention you're so prepared for entrepreneurship, it's not even funny. More and so than someone who sits in a classroom. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that so many people with these nine to fives are not doing. They're just sitting here complaining about their nine to five. Look at how this person, how you are making the money for somebody. You are literally the direct person making that that person that is the entrepreneur money. So look at what checklists have they given you? That's right. What structures do they make you do every day? Right. What other positions are there? I've worked my way up from a front desk agent all the way to an assistant general manager in Marriott. So I know the structure from the front desk all the way up to the top. Right. I've worked closely with HR, regional. So I know how a business is ran. Right. But the hard part was, okay, but how do you start a business? That right. was the only area that I did not know. So it was me just connecting and networking all over Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Now I have a network of people that I didn't even think right. I could do. You know what I mean? Like to... Like, for instance, LeJay, he's the global strategist of the Wanda Group, which is a 13 industry conglomerate. Wow. So it's like I was literally on a phone with him for an hour and a half with him just giving me advice on business. And that. he's actually the reason why I started my webinar with Reels, mm -hmm. um, because he was like, you know, do that. He's like, bam, 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 bam. And I have so many people that now believe in me that yeah. like. I didn't even think was possible because I come from a family that does didn't necessarily mm -hmm. believe in me, even though I did so much right. to be like I've done so much for them to be proud of. But I don't remember ever hearing anyone in my family saying that they're proud of me. Mm. And it's like to also take it back to the jobs mm -hmm. It's like within the LGBT community, people don't realize that the reason why we've had so many jobs is because we have to. We have to in order to survive. Exactly. And, you know, we then ended up in jobs to where it's a toxic working environment. And then we like have to, you know, go or we get fired mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And then people think that, you know, I've been fired from like about seven jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's been either because of my age. So people are intimidated by me. Because remember, I started managing at 18. Right. So I've had people that complain about me to the manager saying I'm doing this, this and that, which was unfalse, untrue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been fired for, you know, speaking up <laughs> and I've been fired for losing my temper because I know how, that, how things are ran mm -hmm. and you know I put people in their place but you know at the end of the day it just makes you stronger it, it really, does. really does it so does and I mean I same like I started working when I was 15 years old but before I was old enough to get a work permit I worked for my aunt you know she was the first entrepreneur that I really had a chance to work with closely in my family and I learned basic stuff about customer service, but then also didn't realize how much game she was giving me about bookkeeping, about scheduling, about structure, about vetting clients. You know, I'm 15 years old answering phones, talking to people yeah. about three, $400,000 home loans. I don't even know what the hell it is, but I'm learning it. You know what I'm saying? So when yeah. I go into a work environment, when I got a little bit older and got my you know, first job, you know, out of college, and I'm recognizing that the person who's running the show doesn't know shit about a lot of things, but I'm supposed to report to you and but you don't really yeah no I can't do that like it just didn't sit right you know with me so yeah you're absolutely right and then like you said specifically for people in the LGBTQ plus community there's so many spaces where we're just not welcomed they don't make room for us or they expect us to conform I have lock on top of that sis I'm, hello? You know what I mean? There, I've, There's been plenty of times where I've had to, oh, Keyshawn, can we call you into the office to have a conversation with you about fill in the blank? 
your yeah. clothing, your hair, your attitude, your this, your that. To oh, yeah, the last the last job that I worked mm -hmm. at, they had an issue with my clothing because it was too tight. And I basically talked to the manager and was I like ended up actually crying in the office because mm -hmm. it's like I face that so much when it comes from my parents to my mm -hmm. work environment to that. So that was like. It just like took me back to like those <laughs> times, to those you know times. I mean? Heck yeah, that shit is true. It was just well. like, yeah, my clothing is what it is, unless you're gonna provide me with some new pants. I mean, <laughs> these are the pants that I'll be wearing. Why that you build like a loaf of bread and you can't wear them? <laughs> but that I, ain't my fault. <laughs> can't take responsibility for the lack of curvature in your butt. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> Time for a break, time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> so we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, this is the part of the podcast where I, I like to call it complete the sentence. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I already asked you on your pre-podcast questionnaire. So <laughs> we're going to start with if you could reside anywhere in the world, where would you live and why? Mm, you know, I really don't have like one set place to be honest. Like I, my boyfriend and I, we are both very spontaneous people. I'm a Leo, he's a Pisces. Um, so we're very much like, we don't like, for instance, like with us being in Atlanta now, we're like thinking about, okay, how can we, you know, travel, you know, we're wanting to actually get a van and convert it and travel like around like the US and stuff like that. So I really, really do not have one designated place. But if I like absolutely have to, you know, I would actually choose... I really don't know. <laughs> but somewhere that just has water because I'm yes. like a fish. Um, I actually, one of my favorite sports was swimming. Uh, I played five sports throughout my life. And okay. one of my favorite was swimming. Um, and I'm like a fish. Like I've always been like that. I love being in water. It just makes me like happy to like hear waterfalls and just hear water. So somewhere that has water. Okay. Because here in Georgia, I have to drive all the way to Savannah to get to some water. So. I was going to say, yeah, where's the closest water from Atlanta? You had to go to Savannah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I feel you. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a water baby too. I'm a cancer. I'm also from Southern California. And I can Ooh, you are cancer. Oh, I gotta hang up. Oh, bye. That's the end of the conversation, y'all. I try to save that to My the mom end. Was a cancer. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. It's so funny because I think about I have a son, he'll be 20 years old in October. And he was always encouraged. I mean, I did my best to encourage him to be honest and to be open. And, you know, to we, we would have feedback conversations where I would sit him down and we'd have our little check-ins and he would say yeah. some things. And I had to just kind of like, okay, all right. I did ask you to tell me the truth. So I guess I can't be in my feelings right now. And I recognize that a lot of cancer moms didn't do that, you know, because we, you know, they didn't create the space for that open expression, but that's always been so yeah. valuable to me. And now that he's, you know, a young adult, I'm so grateful because now he comes to me 
with his stuff, you know, whether it's like friendships or relationships or, you know, work related stuff. And I feel like I created that safe space for him. So, yeah, so I get it. But all cancer moms are not built like this one. So I understand. (laughs) Not at all. I'm so happy that you, you know, that's you realize that, you know what I mean? And I wish that my parents were able to do that, too. But, you know, once again, delusional comes in many forms. It does. It does. (laughs) It does. So next question I have for you is if you woke up tomorrow morning and I don't know what's in your bank account today, but if you woke up tomorrow morning with an extra hundred million in your account what is the first thing you would do um i would actually build a school um so what has really helped me in my life for where i am now is the amount of extracurriculars that i've done within my life um because i used to do everything because i didn't want to be home so the more that i could be out of the house the better so i took up swimming football track uh graphic design i was editor-in-chief of yearbook i did musicals i did stage career at one point like so i really want to build a school to teach you know kids about all of these types of things Mm -hmm. and um stuff like that because i really feel like the extracurriculars uh that i've done in my life has really built me to the person that i am today um because i learned how to do graphic design back then i was in business professionals of america so i've been a professional since i was 12. so it's like I was made for this. I was built for this. Damn it. Exactly. And, you know, I think that's what really gives, like, for instance, my boyfriend, he struggles now a little bit to find what makes him happy Mm. because he didn't grow up having all of those things. Like I went to a decent school enough in Delaware, Mm -hmm. which I'm very grateful for my dad being able to, you know, put me in a school system to where like we had almost everything you can think of. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we literally had a multi-million dollar barn attached to our school that had cows and everything in it. Because the, you know, the agricultural program they would work on, you know, do that kind of stuff. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say definitely a school to teach, you know, kids about stuff. Like about musical theater, you know, business, uh, agriculture, things like that. Right. Like to prepare the next generation of entrepreneurs, essentially. Because no, I say I was in, it's, I swear, some of the things I'm like, so did we live the same life? Uh, because same year, I was, I was that student who, because I was in a toxic household, I was the one who was at school early and went home late. I was in every club. Yeah. I was in every activity, student government, all the creative stuff, everything I could possibly do and didn't realize that it was really preparing me, you know, for for who I am today. So it made a huge, huge difference. So the last question I have for you on this particular part is uh, what flaws would you be okay with in a romantic partner? What flaws? Um, You're like none, zero, I need perfection. You know. Well, I was, because when you asked me that, because I'm in a relationship, Mm -hmm. I then refer to, like, my boyfriend. I'm like, what flaw does he have that I'm okay with? (laughs) Right. You're like, I haven't left, so I can (laughs) He must have some things that I'm okay with. (laughs) You know, um, I would say being emotional, because he is a very, very emotional person. Once again, he's a Pisces. Pisces. How you water signs are. (laughs) Um, And he's a very emotional person. Um, but as long as you're emotional, you're able to actually talk about it and be able to see both sides. Cause that's the thing, like, for instance, 
my mom is a very emotional person if she wants to admit it or not mm -hmm. along with my dad as well if they want to admit it or not but the thing is we were never actually able to openly talk about things so that's right. when nothing was able to ever get really soft right. um where like in my relationship yes sometimes it could be like pulling teeth mm -hmm. but we all we always end up coming to a ground to where he's like you know what you're right like right. I, I was overreacting about this or you know overreacting about that right <clears throat> no that's that's real being in touch with your emotions is one thing being able to express your emotions is something very different so yeah i yeah. i feel you on that so i like to do something called complete the sentence so i'm gonna throw some sentence prompts at you and you can complete them however you'd like the first is i am happiest when I am dancing because um, I'm actually a trained dancer as well. Um, well, not fully trained, which is another thing. Okay. Um, you know, being on this podcast, this is the most I've actually talked about my story. Like, I've actually, I I've talked about my story quite often on a few podcasts, mm -hmm. but this is the most in-depth that, like, I've gotten. So I apologize if it's all over the place. Don't apologize. <laughs> That's my favorite part of hosting a podcast. I get to hear people's yeah. stories. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, dancing is something that I love to do. And I was I'm a, a mainly a self-taught dancer because my dad never put me in dancing because, you know, that was gay. Um, so a lot of like my dancing that I've learned was just watching TV and me practicing in my living room in the middle of the night with headphones in, like practicing Alice Cones in our uh, front because we had like a, a living room and then a family room. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just in there practicing Alice Cones in the <laughs> in the living room. Um, but I didn't actually start dancing training wise until I got kicked out of my dad's house. Okay. And then I had money, like enough to be able to afford to pay for my own classes. So I was like 18 in a class full of all these like little girls. And it was the uh, actually like the last year that I can attend that school okay. because I was uh, 18. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And then I like I went in there and they were like, oh, you're actually like pretty good. Like I was good, but the technique just wasn't always there. Right. Right. Yeah. I have um I have a couple siblings and one of my siblings is a dancer and she had a similar experience. You know, my parents couldn't afford or didn't make it an affordable priority to be able to put her in like formal dance classes. And it wasn't until she was an adult that she was able to pay for some of her own. And it's like, that's her passion. Like dance and movement is her love language. That's how she shows up and expresses herself. And there's something that I appreciate about a trained dancer who's self-taught because there's a certain grit that exists there yeah. and a certain passion, I think, that you can't learn necessarily. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because it's, oh, you're like, I feel like you like read my, but I feel like you're all, since you're a part of the LGBT community as well, once again, we see things totally different than other people. Um, and that's funny that you said that because my dance teacher used to tell me that all the time. And they, she used to use me as an example to all the girls because they were very like structured, mm -hmm. you know, ballet. And yes, their extensions were gorgeous and mm -hmm. I could never even come close to it. Mm -hmm. How they let themselves go was not the same way that I did. And right. that's why, you know, I was a good dancer because I let myself go and I put my passion in my dancing. And even when I messed up, I recovered like that. I was like, what are those? I remember one time I slipped, but then I turned it into a split. Boom. Like I wanted to people I think on my feet and it's just like the girls were never never able to do so so that was the one thing that like separated me from them because they've been in dance class their entire life where I was dancing you know in my fam family room trying to figure it out right. <laughs> you know? right right we I think the LGBTQ plus community we have a natural ability to turn mistakes into masterpieces in a way that nobody else can that's just yep. something that y'all don't get sorry rest of y'all yeah so <laughs> 
<laughs> so how about, um, I know I've made an impact when... I know I've made an impact when people come back to me and tell me, you know, I I I get so many messages every, and I try not to say this without getting emotional, but I get so many messages every day, not even from people that look like me, like that are gay or black, but just so many just women in general. Like my audience is actually 68% women on Instagram and then on Pinterest, it's like 74% and like LinkedIn, I haven't, I don't know if LinkedIn has like those detailed insights, but mm -hmm. basically my point is my audience are it's women. women. Right. <laughs> and right. it, it makes me uh, like so happy when I have so many of them come to me and say like how much I've given them confidence mm. to just be who they are. And mm. it's like, they can, most of them, you know, can't relate to me in any way. Like they're, you know, like an older white woman. Right. And, but the thing is they see something in me that is so, so relatable, you yeah. know? And it, I give them that comfort that nobody else is because, you know, men can be a little toxic. And then other women, sometimes, you know, they can butt heads. So mm -hmm. it's like, for me, I'm like that happy medium for them, <laughs> you right, know? Right. And it's nice for them whenever they come back to me and they're like, you know, you are so amazing. I just want to thank you so much for you just being you. So I would definitely say when people come back and tell me. I love that. I love that. I love that. So before we close out, the last part of the podcast is we're going to do a little visualization. It's supposed to be fun. So hopefully it is. So we're going to close our eyes for a minute. We're going to take a deep breath in. And you're going to imagine yourself getting in a time machine and we're going to go all the way back to your 16-year-old self. And as you step outside this time machine, the first person you see is you at 16. What is the first thing that you say? I would definitely say that you are stunning. Yes, you know, it feels lonely now. And yes, you're hiding a lot now. And yes you um, are very confused really um you will come to a point to where you will understand yourself fully more than anyone else does and you will come to a point to where you realize that with the power of confidence you can do absolutely anything and trust me honey you do yes so, yeah. <laughs> i love that i love that so we're gonna step back into the time machine take another deep breath and we're going to come all the way to the end. And we don't really know where that is, but I want you to think about what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. So I want to be remembered for just having an impact on people and showing people that you can really do and be everything. Because I plan on being one of the richest men <laughs> to ever walk this planet. And, you know, the only way that I can do that is empowering other people to be the best person that they can be and teaching other people how you can create success. Because the only way to success is really creating a great community. And the only way to be able to create a great community is empowering those people to you know, stand up for themselves and be better, know better and do better. So I would definitely say that. Yeah. I love that. All right. One more deep breath. We're going to come all the way back into the present moment and then you can gently blink open your eyes. And, before... and also, yeah, another go thing ahead. Okay. I just Let's... want to, to, to yes. that point too, is that for anybody that's watching, you know, me saying that I want to be like the richest person in the world, the most wealthiest person in the world isn't for the money, but don't come asking me for that. a loan. When I exactly. <laughs> well, it's not it's not for the money, it's right. for the 
impact. Yes. And without money, you can't do anything. You really cannot. Like mm-hmm. as much desire as I have to do something or as much as I want to take on the world or as much as I want to become the best person I am, I can't be any or do any of those things unfortunately without money and i can't create a better life for other people without money and right. it's so that's just the only reason i just only thing i want to clear up because i don't yeah. want anybody to be like oh he greedy honey yeah no he's no. not trying to just build a space shuttle so he could go to the moon and come back y'all he's trying exactly. to actually make a change in the actual world he said he wants to build a school for the creatives okay so don't yeah. come for him about trying to be wealthy so, exactly. <laughs> so the last thing i like to do is i work with this little oracle deck and it's a super cute oh, really? deck of cards so i just want you to pick a number between 1 and 52 one and 52 23 23 okay so i love this deck because it's super fun and it has like these cute messages that come with it so the message for number 23 is at your service at your service i have a feeling i already know exactly what this one means because i feel like i've seen it once or twice before (laughs) so at your service i hope it's comforting to know there is a big universal butler who is working behind the scenes taking care of all the details making sure every little thing is turning out exactly as planned this butler is determined determined to make sure that you have everything that you need so all you have to do is let him carry the tray. Mm, that's that's a good one. That's a really, really good one. And it, it's so crazy because the amount of people that I talk to that because I'm very spiritual as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so crazy how consistent the message is across the board. Yeah. And it just it lets me know that I'm on the right path, you know. And sometimes I don't believe in myself and sometimes I, you know, don't see the bigger picture Mm -hmm. um but then i always have to remind myself i do and i've been seeing you know one 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 all over the place two 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 three 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 all over the place and with those numbers significant uh represent uh evidently Mm -hmm. is amazing for me and it means that i have a a lot of good things coming in my future so i I love that i love that you surely do you surely do and it's it's a reminder to know that Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. When your vision is clear, even if you don't necessarily know what the next step is, having a clear vision, having a big vision and trusting the process and also trusting that you will be provided for, that everything is being taken care of. Yeah. Man, that's the part that I think people miss the most. So I'm super excited. Yeah. But um, but yeah, this has been such a pleasure, Nasir. Thank you so Thank much you. for just saying yes to being a part of this. I mean, I'm just of super course. grateful for this conversation. I feel like I've been inspired. And I want to give you a chance to tell us a little bit more about how people can find you on social, how they can connect with you and what you have coming up soon. Yeah, most definitely. So you can find me on Instagram. Well, actually, all social media platforms at N-A-S-I-R underscore J-O-A-C-H-I-M. It's literally just my first underscore, my last name on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, um, yeah, all of the platforms. All the places. <laughs> and then for anybody that is, you know, wanting to create their brand, that's how you really start with a, a brand is okay. being consistent on all platforms and making it easy for your audience or for your community to be able to find you. So mm-hmm. um, follow me on all, all platforms. And I have a membership actually coming out pretty soon. And I also have a podcast as well. So I would love to uh, bring you onto the podcast yes. when I do. Uh, release that so i'm super excited so follow me on all platforms and turn on those post notifications so you don't miss when um this stuff does come out 
Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you for being here. I hope that you have a fantastic Friday and enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. You as well. All right. Peace <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's time to wrap this up and I just want to say very sincerely thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day and I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now in this moment I see the light, I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity and the pure joy that shines within each of you and I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste.